Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> there we go. This is all about wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. All right. Six feet away, people. Six feet away. Social distancing. That's right. Not too close. You over there. Back up. There you go. Thanks. Back up. It, he's, it was a problem last week, too. I remember he was he was within uh, the six feet rule. So, uh, yeah. Was he the same? He's been a problem. Yeah. Uh, it was the same. Yep. You know, this is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. We can't ban you right. from the show. That's so. right. Hey, six feet. Straighten up. That's right. We're yeah. we're gonna hold down to that. Yep. But yes, we will. We make will. Last week. Oh, I <laughs> didn't know it. Jeez. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else, thank you for listening to the rules. You, you straighten up out there. <laughs> although, although mm-hmm. the president just got through announcing some leniency in the rules. Uh, just right before we came on the show, they have a new set of rules. They're going to start opening up stuff. They're going to start being a little bit more lenient on stuff. And so, you know, maybe he's jumping the gun a little bit, but maybe not too much. We'll have to have to see how these rules play out. But still, yeah. though, we we need to practice caution. Practice caution out there, everyone. You know, we don't want another flare up. We don't want something to get worse. We do have uh, a special we, guest we, tonight and Yeah, he he's looks like he's sitting there in our, our green room. He yep. he's on hold. So uh we do have a guest tonight, Kaylin Cast I believe it's Kaylin Castetter of G or C S G Hemp and Sovereign Vines. We're gonna bring him on a rat now. And uh there he is. Hello Thank Kaylin. You. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Good evening. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time to be on the show with us. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, we we discovered you because I read a little little small thing. I, I you know I searched the news and all that uh, for the show, and I read a little small thing a couple of weeks ago about a winery trying to get a hemp infused wine approved and for sale and the state of new york said no you can't do that and so i read it on the show and so you know just it was just a small thing i mean it wasn't really much detail but it just caught my eye and mike did some follow-up and contacted you and you so graciously agreed to be on the show so thank you for being on the show that's how we found you and that's how it came about yeah but absolutely uh, great 
So, okay, we we got lots of questions, but I'm going to let you run with the first one here. Tell us about yeah. you and what you do and about uh, CSG Hemp and Sovereign Vines and everything. I'll just let you talk. Yeah, about. absolutely. So, so there's a lot of story there. And, and actually, so New York State uh, was not the, the issue. New York State supported us. Uh, it was the TTB that eventually we ran and the FDA that, that you know, we uh, – that was the, the biggest roadblock and we're actually on the market for two years. Uh, we, we shut it down in, in uh, this winter uh, in January and February. Um, but it goes back to 1997. My father, uh, Jim Cassetter started the first hemp infused wine. Uh, it was called hemp wine America and uh, ran into some issues with the ATF at the time. They were the, the regulatory body, um, you know, overseeing alcohol, not the TTB. Uh, and so, you know, we, I restarted it, um, back in 2017 and really started the journey in 2015, uh, with him, with, with my father. And, uh, you know, we blazed a trail. We, uh, were, you know, selling, uh, wine all over New York for, um, for two years. And, you know, New York actually gave us a special exemption for our, uh, our label. And then, you know, the TTB came, they audited us that we don't rec, even though we're only selling the state of New York, we do not recognize New York State's label approval, and eventually, you know, it came down to some really inconsistent regulations on the federal level, which affect a lot of people in, <laughs> in the hemp industry. You know, uh, we, oh, we, know. We, don't, we don't have it so easy here in the hemp industry. So that, that's what I do with CSG Hemp is we help, you know, small mentized businesses with a host of things, regulatory analysis, compliance, you know, operational consulting, management consulting. Um, and so, uh, but it, it, it was really tough to, to have to say, say bye to, to hemp wine, at least for now, put it on pause, you know, there's a lot of potential. A lot of people love the wine. Uh, okay. Now just for clarification to anyone out there who doesn't know, and I'm sure that, that, you know, everybody should, or everybody at least has heard about it, but explain what hemp is. Yeah. Yeah. So Hemp is simply cannabis that doesn't get you high, right? It's a legal definition, 0.3% THC and below is hemp. So hemp can be used to make clothing. It can be used to make rope. It can be used to make car panels. Uh, and it can also be uh, harvested for its extracts, uh, for you know medicinal purposes. We hear about CBD all the time, right? Uh, what we did is we took the flavor profile from certain hemp plants and we infuse it into the wine, right? So this added another layer of flavor and aroma to the wine. Uh, it was very unique, and it added to the whole experience of drinking the wine. So, you know, the hemp, is, hemp is huge, but essentially what it is, it's cannabis that doesn't get you high. Okay, now, you mentioned something else that brought up a question, uh, and you said you took the, the flavor profiles, you hear about Colorado, um, California, Washington, Oregon. I can go on. There's a lot of states that sell legalized marijuana now, and they all talk about all the different flavors and all the different types and all the different um, potencies and all this. But there are so many different types of marijuana, hence would be so many different types of hemp. So how do you come about choosing what you want to use to get the flavor you want? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's tough, right? So it's just, it's just like different wine, different grape varietals yield totally different flavors, right? It's the same thing with hemp. We call them cultivars or different genetic profiles, yield different flavors. And so it did take us a while to find 
the right profile. And we didn't find the perfect profile. What we wanted to do is match different cultivars to different types of wine. So our red was a blend. So Cab Sauv, Merlot, and Old Vine Zinfandel blend. Our white was a Cayuga. And when you think about Cayuga, you know, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you guys are, are based in New York. Probably not. But in New York, Cayuga is, uh, is everywhere. It's ubiquitous as a sweet, you know, kind of like entry-level yes. wine, cheap. Foxy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is foxy. Exactly. But so we really took off. So we dropped the residual sugar down uh, to uh, to 1.7 percent. Right. So, you know, it wasn't wow. too sweet. Uh, yeah. And, and the hemp flavor rounded it out. So you didn't get that acidic bite uh, with the, it just it added up an earthy woodsy tone almost to it. And then it did something completely different to the red, even though it's the same exact. Uh, uh, extract, right? So um, it, it adds something, right? The, the blend that we were working with, the red, um, if you tasted it, you said, this needs something. This is not, you know, it's a, it, it was a blend. It was, you know, a very, you know, like, you know, not not cheap, but it wasn't expensive, you know? So it, it, it could use another layer of, the, you know, more depth. So, uh, you know, we were targeting the, the wine consumer, uh, not a uh, someone who looked at it for the novelty aspect, or you know, was a hemp consumer and was looking. Oh, now I have hemp in my wine. Now that that really wasn't what we were trying to go for. Okay, now without giving away any trade secrets, because I'm certainly not asking for that, hemp infused red wine blend and hemp infused white wine blend. What is the process of infusion of hemp into a wine? Yeah, so, you know, we worked with partners, uh, different wineries, uh, to pick the base of the wine. Uh, we built the wine up from there, right? So, uh, you know, we, we added uh, sugar if we needed to. Um, and, you know, we, uh, in some cases, aged the wine longer, right? Uh, and then uh, before, uh, during our bottling process, our blending bottling process, we, you know, base, essentially uh, blended in, um, you know, the, uh, the, the flavor profile, the extracts from the hemp plant, um, you know, different wines needed for that to let it sit for a certain amount of time, right? Um, some in the bottle, some in the tank, you know, certain, certain amount of time. Um, and uh, and then, then we bottled it. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, we, we did that all. We started by hand and added some other equipment. But, um, yeah, so the, the, the winemaker is, is my father. So, Jim, Jim Cassiter, he's the winemaker, and uh, he, he made it all happen. Um, and uh, there's some secrets that he probably hasn't even shared with me. So <laughs> <laughs> You are not worthy yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so your, your hemp, uh, to, you, to get to the point where you're going to be using, I mean, obviously it's a plant. And so you uh, do you sit there and grab it and wring it out like a towel until oil comes out or something comes out or what's the process of that? So yes, the thing about an essential oil is we you know utilize a distillation process to uh, to get out. So you know you, you let the hemp go to harvest and uh, you know, what we're looking for is the terpenes, right? So all plants have terpenes, and this is our biggest right. argument with the FDA, right? These terpenes mm -hmm. are grass. If they're right. and then they said, well, but they're from hemp, so that's a different source, so we're not going to, you know, accept that. And that was their their main argument. I think <laughs> it's pretty hollow, to be honest. Yeah, but, it um, is. It is. Yeah. 
yeah. So yes, yeah, so we we use you know utilize a distillation method. You know we uh, sourced that um, that extract. Um, you know we we didn't we didn't uh, produce it ourselves. The we didn't do the extraction process. Um, but then we set out to grow uh, cultivars specifically for the wine. We came out with a, a cab franc. We called it cab franc and hemp. Right. We only did uh, 50 mm-hmm. gallons, and that was it. So about you know 24 cases, 23 cases, right? And um, it was, you know, it was a, it was a cab franc from the from the Finger Lakes, and you know, listen, cab francs from from the Finger Lakes region have been increasing in popularity. There's some damn good cab francs that come from the Finger Lakes oh, region, and no you know, no. yeah. And, and so we made an excellent wine. It did not overpower it. It was really good, um, and uh, it was a, a specific uh, strain, a cultivar of hemp that we grew. Um, and called Berry Blossom actually was the name of the, the hemp strain. And uh, that was, you know, I still have a few bottles left and we numbered all the bottles and stuff. But if I could go back, I mean, they get that specific vintage and, you know, that specific cultivar, you'd never be able to make it happen again. But uh, it was, it was excellent. Wow. Okay. Uh, the, uh, do you, you said you source your hemp. You don't grow. You, uh, I thought I saw, on one of your websites here, your uh, CST hemp site, uh, that mm-hmm. y- you grow it there. It's, you have two yeah. ventures here, two enterprises, you're growing and your winery? Yeah, so, you know, Sovereign Vines is a different enterprise, a different team. It's me and my dad for, for Sovereign Vines. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like I said, we, we've kind of closed that chapter, and but we're also, you know, part of CSG, Casa Sustainability Group. And Cast Sustainability Group has been, as we started Cast Sustainability Group to grow hemp for the wine, then realized there was much more opportunity. We had some excellent talent, brought some great people on, and we could do a lot more. Last year, we grew 250,000 hemp plants throughout the state of New York with 15 wow. farmers, primarily for CBD. It was, yeah, it was a massive task. We dried it all in a central facility, an old Kmart building in Binghamton, New York. Um, and so, but what we're mostly focused on now is the breeding side. Uh, for different, you know, hardiness and, and you know, to help uh, farmers plant something similar to how Cornell had to come up with Cayuga and had to come up with grapes that would grow and survive the harsh winters in New York. We're doing the same thing with, with hemp, but we're also very actively involved with the, the state legislature and advocating for policy. We formed a trade association, New York Cannabis Growers and Process Association in New York, um, and I specialize in regulatory analysis compliance, brought a lot of my experience with the wine over, um, and I help businesses now navigate that uh, in the hemp industry. You know, we're involved in a, a lot of different projects. So, so yeah. So it's two totally different different companies. But you know, one you know we, we developed Cast Sustainability Group from from Sovereign Vines. I see. I, I noticed your uh, website here, your uh, CSG website, that it shows all these hemp plants inside. A building is mm-hmm. that after harvest and your sorting is. Yeah, so that was our that was our Kmart, I, I believe. If, uh-huh. I, if I'm you know referring to the right the right picture, but yeah, that was. Uh, so you know the challenge was is we had we we grew we harvested for 37 days straight. We had to hire 61 employees. We ran two shifts a day. We had wow. over 70 truckloads come in from all over the state. It was constant, and you know it was a. It was a race against the clock until Mother Nature told us no more. November 7th, she said, it is not happening anymore. Um, but, you know, we got 92% of our plants out of the ground in 15 locations throughout the state, farthest away being, I think, 220 miles. 
So it was a wow. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, okay, I'm. Uh, we are all about wine, but I'm curious about this this mm-hmm. cannabis harvesting here. You you mentioned you had a, a window. Is it a critical window, like harvesting grapes, uh, that you have to harvest the cannabis? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and interestingly enough, is you know we have 300 some wineries in New York. We were competing with those wineries for labor. Uh, it's a very hand-intensive uh, crop to harvest. You have to har- you harvest it by hand, right? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that window. So you know there is a point where those uh, extract levels, where the the plant has reached full maturity and it's ready to go. And it's art and science. It's you know you you know you wait. There's certain indicators that say it's ready, but there's no hard and fast like okay, it's ready now. And then these full you know swollen buds are going to start to rot. We also have issues with Botrytis, just like grapes. We actually took really? a lot of lessons. Yeah, yeah, Botrytis is terrible for, for hemp. White powder, mildew, and oh, Botrytis. Oh, wow. Terrible cannabis, yeah. They, uh, it gets really tough. You know, we have uh, different rot, uh, septora on the leaves. So, you know, we took <laughs> actually, uh, we would prune on the east side of the plants, just like the uh, vineyards do in New York, uh, so the sun comes up and burns that moisture off. You do, this is microclimates. It's very important. Very similar to, to growing grapes. Actually, one of our growers is one of the largest uh, wineries in the state, Doug, Doug Hazlitt, Hazlitt Vineyard. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's amazing. I never, I never realized that it was that, uh, that critical of a window on that many problems that you can have with it. Now, when you harvest oh, yeah. it, uh, you're – you say the THC level is real low. Do you, the ones that are higher, the THC levels on plants that are higher, are they, well, how do you know? How do you know that the THC level is that low and you don't want it to get any higher? What do you do? Yeah, so it's all about genetics, right? So the gen, different genetics will express different cannabinoid levels, right? So you basically uh-huh. breed a plant down to a level where, you know consistently it's not going to produce above that point three. That point three, it's it's uh, it's not really relevant from a scientific perspective, right? One percent, two percent is not going to get you high either. The threshold really should be about one percent. It's tough. There's this dance where different cannabinoids levels rise at certain times. So you're you know, if you're going for CBD, you want your CBD levels to be as high as possible. But at a certain point, and uh, we do work we work with Cornell and uh, Dr. Larry Smart figured this out. If you get above about 8 to 10% CBD, your THC is going to spike slightly higher than 0.3 because they, they have this relationship that they haven't really figured out. They haven't been able to quantify, you know, actually put an equation on it, but there is a relationship there. So it's a difficult timing situation. Uh, you know, we think that from a regulatory perspective, lawmakers need to look at the public safety concern, right? If it's not mm-hmm. enough to get you high, why is that? Why is there an arbitrary threshold put on it? You know, <laughs> because it's the government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, hemp has been, as you well know, hemp has been illegal in the United States for so long. It's just that they just can't break away from the fact that it's illegal, and that's you know, it's going to take legislation and a vote to get it so that people we can use it freely around the country. And yeah, exactly. You know, they just take a lot of work. 
And a lot of work, yeah. And I noticed that you you are an advocate for the cannabis legalization in Albany, so you you are part of that team that's starting to do that. But you need to get away from Albany and go down to Washington D.C. and do it down there because it it's a multi-billion-dollar business. Hemp. I mean, it's you just mentioned it can be used for so many different things, and uh, it's it's just a good. Uh, Good material. I, you know, it's, it rivals cotton in some areas. So, but you know, I'm absolutely. I, I'm rambling a little bit here on, on it, but uh, obviously, I, I'm a big advocate for hemp being legalized in this country for all the different uses that it is. And incentivized. The, you know, they they legalized it, but then there's a lot of roadblocks: banking, advertising. Facebook doesn't let hemp companies advertise. You know, there's a lot of roadblocks. <laughs> you know, uh, half a year ago. We would not hemp companies would not be eligible for the CARES Act or the payroll protection program, right? And because no. you know the SBA wouldn't work with hemp companies until they had to clear some of those policies up. So there's a lot of antiquated policies um, that are tough. Insurance is really difficult. You know, oh, uh, payment processing is almost impossible. It's crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just for vineyards, uh, the insurance rates are so high anyway. I can imagine for hemp, it would probably be astronomical. Yeah. yeah. And yet yeah, you're it's, still it's facing this. And you get canceled all the time, you know. Yeah, um, and it, it's, you're still facing the same weather problems as any other farm. And yet, you know, uh, I know. I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think it should be legalized and all the. All the old antiquated laws and stuff like that are just that. They're so antiquated they should be trashed and they should start over. Um, yeah. Going back to your hemp-infused wines. Now, I was looking at the lineup of the ones that you do have infused. And it's not the red and the white. It seems to me like you have quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, so have you have a sweet uh, rosé and, and a dry rosé, too. It's a blush. You know, so it's not a, a true rosé, no. blended white and, uh, and and red. But we actually blended Vincent and the Cayuga um, together. So, uh, but yeah, no, the rosé actually uh, was a hit at the Rosé Mansion in Manhattan. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen oh. that, but that's a hit yeah. phenomenon. I mean, they have, you know, 200 rosés there. They have hundreds of people there every day. But yeah, it was a, it was a hit there, down there, uh, the rosé was very popular during the summer months, especially festival, wine festival season. Um, we found that the red and the white, right, you either were, either you love the red or you love the white, right? It, our customers kind of, they, they pick the, the different camps, right? You know, they, they would like the white or, oh, you know, or my wife drinks the white, I drink the red or vice versa, right? We got a lot of that and people really, really love our wine. And that's why it's, it's really difficult for us to take a step back. What we want to do is we want to, you know, work on some of these federal issues and, you know, then be able to launch with a tasting room and go direct to the public and give people that experience. Maybe there's hemp being grown there. Um, you know, we see a lot of parallels in New York, and we make this all the time, especially to Governor Cuomo, who really propped up the, the craft beverage industry, right? So you could do the right. same thing with, with, with cannabis. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, all these small businesses, you know, it's over 1,000 craft producers in New York State, $30 billion of economic uh, output. Same thing can happen with, with cannabis, especially when you talk about on-premise. We got on-premise consumption put into the cannabis bill this year. The cannabis bill ultimately failed because everything that was going on with uh, with, uh, with the coronavirus. So 
but you know we think mm-hmm. it's yeah. right next year. That's a staple part of it is is, is on premise consumption because we've learned that's so important for our wineries here in New York is that they have people who can come and enjoy on on site, right? And and they can enjoy higher margins. They can enjoy you know developing the relationship with the customer a little more. Now, is New York a medical marijuana legal state, or is it uh, full cannabis legal, or uh, what is the law so, yes. in New York? Yeah, so we have a very limited and uh, not great medical marijuana uh, industry in New York. It's confined to, you know, nine companies. It is, you know, you can't sell flour. So there's only maybe, I think, 50 dispensaries throughout the whole state of New York. So it's kind of, it's honestly kind of a joke, right? Adult mm-hmm. use, you know, the hemp industry in New York has been thriving, but it's adult use cannabis. We call it adult, recreational cannabis. We're calling it adult use now at 21 and over. And uh, that is not legal yet. It has oh, two yeah. efforts to pass it in the budget have failed last year and this year. We almost had it this year. Then the state shut down on like March 17th, right? And uh, the mm, governor yeah. was everyone seeing in these these press conferences uh, and everything. And it's 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 funny because we're used to the the PowerPoint. <laughs> we joke in New York about <laughs> Governor Cuomo's PowerPoint, <laughs> and now everyone knows about his PowerPoint. Everyone knows. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, you can't taste these hemp-infused wines at the winery. Uh, so we just never really developed a, a great um, tasting room presence, right? So we started uh-huh. a real small shop. I mean, you know, really bootstrapped this. It was just me and my dad bottling wine for a while. So. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we focused on farmers markets and we have a lot of wine fests in New York, actually. Like there's a wine fest that's, that's the thing to do during the summer. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, yeah, wine fest. So, so that was great. And then, you know, wholesale and we self-distributed. What I found out about the wine industry, it's tough to make it wholesale. You have to go and start retail, build oh, yes. up those, that customer loyalty and then go because the distributors kill you, right? And then mm-hmm. if you have to self-distribute, I mean, these liquors, there's so many SKUs, you know, you can get, I had, I, last night I bought a great Bordeaux for like 11 bucks, right? Wow. Um, and yeah, it was really, it was really good too. I, you know, I really enjoyed it and that's tough because our, our wine sat on the shelf for 12, 12.99. Sometimes they put it in the New York section. Sometimes they wouldn't, they didn't know really where to put it, you know, so it was tough. You know, did a lot of tastings, good success at tastings, but there's a lot of customer education needing to occur, and that can occur in a tasting room. Can't really occur in a liquor store setting, especially when people are so cognizant about spending. And most people don't don't spend more than ten, eleven, twelve bucks on a bottle of wine. So yeah, I know that's average. I when I had a wine, I mean, it just you know, the average person's fifteen is a lot of money for them to spend for a bottle of wine and. Because they can find well a nice Bordeaux for eleven. I mean, it just uh, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to do exactly. it. I understand. You know, I understand that. But if they're but, there uh, and they're having a good time, spending fifteen is not not too difficult. You know. That's true. That's true. And if they like it, they the taste it and go, "Oh, this is great. How much is this? It's fifteen. Great. Give me a bottle or two or whatever." And, or uh, a case. You know? Or a case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, give you a ten, you know, ten percent discount on the case. How many do you want? You know, I mean, it's just that's, and it's the, you're caught up in it. But 
you know, it's it's when they taste it too, and that's why I was asking if you were allowed to taste because if you're allowed to taste, then that's going to help sell it also. So. Oh yeah, tasting is, and you know we, you know we uh, we have a lot of wineries in New York, right up and down Seneca and Cuyahoga Lake, and um, oh, yeah. right on the lake, these beautiful spots, right. So I love, you know, we call them wine tours, right. You know, you rent, get a bunch of friends. Uh, you rent a bus, you rent a, you know, uh, in, in Watkins Glen, they'll, you can pay, uh, the Chamber of Commerce has a service where you can pay someone $15 an hour to drive your car, right? And so oh. you go, you go to as many wineries as possible from five to 10. And there's something magical about tasting the wine where it should be tasted right overlooking right. the vineyard, right? And hearing right. the story, for, you know, you have to have a great, person behind the tasting bar you know explaining the story makes a difference definitely so, does you know the, the the history of it and the stories behind it and all that that's that's what the fun is about going to a winery i mean that's the the excitement of going to a winery is that hearing all the stories and hearing how it came about and hearing what the person has to say that's that's the great thing about it um i i was just looking at your thing not that I wasn't listening, but I noticed that you have a Cab Franc and Hemp uh, yeah. limited run. What is, is that something different? Yeah, so that was that that Cabernet Franc that I was describing. That you know there was only a certain amount of bottles done, and it was you know one of the best tasting wines. That was that that we called the Cab Franc and Hemp. So you know we sourced, like I said, we did fifty gallons, and that was it. Um, and it was uh, it was an excellent wine. I still have the last few uh, that I've been holding on to, but it, you know, like, like I said, yeah, the, the vintage it was a 2016 Cab Franc. 2016 was a great year for Cab Franc in New York. Uh, it was our berry blossom strain of hemp. It, that was magic in a bottle. It's something that I would be very difficult for us to recreate. Ron, you still there? Oh, I don't hear him. I, I'm I'm still on. Yeah, uh, Ron, we don't hear you. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, this is something. All of a sudden, he got quiet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hello, Ron. We're still here, but we don't hear you. <laughs> hmm. Well, this isn't good. I was typing notes, and all of a sudden, I heard the end of what you said, and he never came back. Yeah. Ron, are you yeah. still there? Let's go. Hello. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Well, hopefully, he's uh, fixing things on his end, and um, just letting him know that uh, he is silent right now for some reason. Don't hear have any audio on you, Ron. Um. So. Work out what you need to work out on that end. Maybe he had a button or something. This happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But um, I just uh, you're you're you were brought into this uh, based on on your your father and, and his company uh, Hemp Wine America. How did how did he get involved with it? How was how was his uh, was he into wine before that and just brought hemp into it? I mean, uh, what what was his uh, interest in in starting this in um, 90, 97, I think it was. 
97. Yeah, so it was a lot, you know, it was, a, it was an opportunity, and he was, you know, looking at it from an entrepreneurial perspective. He was in Amsterdam, um, mm-hmm. actually, for he was on his honeymoon, and he met uh, some, some large players in the hemp and cannabis industry out there, spent a good amount of time with them, uh, you know, working with them in, in the industry out there, um, where hemp kind of took hold before it did here in the United States. But it was, you know, starting to, to become popular in the United States, especially hemp food products, hemp seed products. And uh, there was hemp wine in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And uh, the creator of that said, why don't you take this and try to do this in America? And that's what he did. So he would bring, you know, the extract over, you know, on the plane and uh, bring it. And he started in his garage um, and here in Binghamton and had a lot of success. He actually was in Whole Foods in San Francisco. Uh, he was distributed wow. in the Bay, the Bay Area out there. Yep, he was in talks with uh, the Canadian Liquor Board, or the, the Liquor Board in uh, in Canada. I believe uh, he was looking at uh, Ontario, um, and uh, had a lot of um, interest in contracts lined up. Pretty, you know, far distribution, very successful. And then what happened was the ETF had approved him, and they turned around. And this was actually coincidentally, and he always tells the story. Al Gore had a hemp beer on Air Force One, and then a few <laughs> weeks later, you know, the uh, the ATF sent a said, we're reviewing your label, and then a subsequent letter, we are re- revoking your label. Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, they just they, uh, forced him out of business, you know. Was, I, I didn't think back probably. in 97 it was so widely uh, not as accepted as, I mean, it seems like we're kind of breaking out now. Um, yeah. You know, and, and being more accepted, uh, accepted and receptive to it. But I didn't think back in '97 it was, and and that's uh, just you know hearing that he got started with those. Wow, that must have been really a lot of up up uh, uphill battles and and uh, struggles just to get uh, you know some sort of acceptance out of out of the uh, government and to get it going. I mean that that's must have taken a lot of oh, work. Yeah, and, I couldn't couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it flew under the radar at first is what happened. And yeah. then once they realized what was happening, they're like, Whoa, whoa we can't do this. You know? And so, yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's tough. You know, you're always educating the customer always, but, but like you said, now we're really seeing the explosion of hemp uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just, you know, it wasn't there back in the, in the late nineties. And so uh, everything yeah. else has been more difficult, you know? Yeah. It, it seems like you seem like uh, like in California, I've, I've seen reports where a lot of the uh, uh, growers had to be um, so almost like underground, I guess, um, you know, the heavy security and, and uh, you know, ready to move and stuff. It was almost like a like that kind of activity. But uh, you'd see them and, and, you know, they had acres and acres growing, but it was out in the middle of nowhere. And they had their security was so tight that, uh, you know, they, they were concerned about people stealing their crop or the, or the government moving in on them. And, and uh, you know, here you come up and, you know, things are changing and, and uh, for the better and um, kind of grew out of that. And you have, uh, have a really good, good thing going. And what an, what an amazing time to have this market, you know, going in this direction. <laughs> you know, the, how, is there any competition right now for you that, that's out there? So for, for the hemp-infused wine, we're the only hemp-infused wine. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's some um, wine coolers that use like a hemp seed extract. And I think, you know, anyone who's, who's tried to do it has faced the same 
uh, resistance from, from the TTB, from the federal government. Um, now, you know, yeah. we're no longer available uh, on the market, right? So, you know, it's essentially, you know, we've kind of, we've also bowed out, but I mean, we're ready to come right back once we can. But I think the biggest barrier there is on the regulatory side. I think if that wasn't there, you, know, you certainly would see a lot of wineries try their hand. Um, but you know, we had a unique take on it. We weren't looking at CBD, you know, weren't looking at THC, certainly, you know, nothing like that. We were looking to see how can we bring something different to the wine mm-hmm. and reach people during their daily habit or you know, weekly habit of, of purchasing wine and enjoying wine. You know, we wanted to be a good wine first and foremost. And I think it surprised a lot of people. And I think also the fact that it's hemp wine turn people off when they really enjoyed it, right? They let it, you know, in their minds. That's why, you know, we're at these festivals and the reactions from people when they come up, oh, you know, make, you know, whatever joke. If I, you know, I've I've served tens of thousands of of, um, of adults, you know, uh, wine and, and they're, you know, two-ounce tasters, ounce-and-a-half tasters. And um, I see, I've heard all the jokes. <laughs> and uh, But I've also seen the reactions of everyone you know, uh, when they start to try it and they, they really enjoyed it. But yeah, I mean, you know, coming up, Oh, can I smoke this or this and that? Uh, <laughs> but hemp is rope. You put rope in the wine, you know, and <laughs> I'm here. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. I called in. I don't know what happened to my microphone. I was right in the middle of talking and Mike picked it up and ran with it. Good for you, Mike. Thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been listening to you. I just my microphone wasn't working, so I just picked up the phone and called, and I'm in. So, so uh, I, I yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean when you think of hemp, you think of rope. You don't think of wine, and that is uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I can understand why people go what why hemp, you know. But uh, yeah. probably the the TTB is worried that the next step is just going to be a straight. Hemp wine. Uh, you know, you're going to have yourself a wine that's going to be full of uh, uh, all sorts of stuff to get people high and everything else, and so therefore they need to hold you back from getting carried away, and that's probably their fear. Yeah, you know, I think kind of. You know, I've spoken to a lot of people at CCB, and they're generally sympathetic, right? It's a it's a bureaucratic issue. It's an overreach issue from really the FDA. Um. It, it it goes deeper, right, than just oh, yeah. the wine. We're a, we're a casualty, uh, in a sense, right, of a larger concerted effort to keep hemp and hemp extract products away from the food supply and from, you know, supplements and whatnot and, and give this, you know, to larger pharmaceutical companies, right? So we're, you know, nothing to do with that, but, you know, we're, we're a consequence. And the, the thing is with uh, when you add psychoactive properties to the wine, I think I don't see that ever being allowed you know i think you see maybe non-alcoholic wine or you know maybe places where you can enjoy both but you know the combination of 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 alcohol and thc uh that's a tricky one and um you know it i I, so i I would i would say that yeah i think that was you know partly their fear but um you know at the end of the day they referred us to the fda and we got to the fda like i said they made this this very hollow argument on whether it, you know, why it couldn't be generally recognized as safe as food ingredient. And, you know, if, if we had the resources, I think we could have successfully challenged that. We, you know, didn't now. And, and I think, you know, you're going to see 
things start to change with the FDA more broadly with hemp. Um, but yeah, the FDA, they just don't have a willingness to really get the facts and regulate it the way they should, to, to be quite honest. Mm, yeah, and the FDA is, is, I mean, so powerful in, in the fact that food, they, they stop stuff, even though it has been proven to be helpful in all sorts of other areas. They are cautious beyond need, I think, at times because of that. And so, Absolutely. And, and it, like you say, you're caught up in the, in the tailspin of the whole thing, and you, know, you can't escape that. And That's true. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, that is that is very unfortunate. Uh, Mike, you were you were going to say something before I announced that I was back. Uh, do you remember? Oh, are you kidding? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm at that age where I'm at that age where it's like you know. Yeah. Was I going to say something? Later. <laughs> yeah, I almost said, welcome to our show Wednesday. You know, it's not even Wednesday, but uh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been on Thursdays for ten years, but I don't remember. Yeah, um, so what so is it? <laughs> what I what I would like to know, uh, real quick though, is there anything that the the general public that we can do to to help with this? Is there any? I mean, who do you contact? Is there any anything that the general public can do to help uh, get this more legalized and accepted? Uh, you know, I, in, in terms of our current, our specific situation, it's, there's not much, you know, even from a political perspective, like I said, you know, New York state was firmly behind us. We even work with Senator Chuck Schumer, you know, uh, Schumer and Joe Brand's office, both, you know, move this along to a point where actually we got some answers, but answers weren't necessarily what we wanted to hear. I think generally, um, the New York state Senate or, you know, not New York state Senate, but the U S Senate. Um, they need to address this. They passed hemp in uh, part of the large omnibus bill, the Agricultural Act, the Farm Bill, but they need to address hemp and hemp extract products as it relates to food and as it relates to dietary supplements. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't see much of a willingness. You see a willingness out of the House of Representatives. Um, you know, I think there's uh, a couple members of the Senate in specific, uh, you know, Senator Chuck Grassley, uh, is, a, is a tough one. Um, he doesn't like hemp in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, we were out there before CBD became a crazy, before it got attention, right? And so our problem was, is we couldn't get the attention of the federal government and say, hey, listen, you know, make a determination, you know, look at the facts here. Now there's too much attention. And now I look at CBD, and now we're caught up in CBD, you know, having an antipsychoactive product. So, you know, really what needs to happen is that the government needs to, you know, whether that's the president or the Senate or the, you know, House of Representatives, they need to come together and they say, you know, we need to figure out, we need to set up a commission, we need to direct the executive agencies, the agencies here, to really look at what they're doing in blocking the expansion of hemp in general, whether that's fiber, textiles, my wine, et cetera, and, and look at, okay, how do we look at this from a science and a fact? That's all we ask is look at it from a science and a fact-based perspective instead of reactionary uh, where, you know, or just not wanting to deal with it. In a lot of situations, I think they just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to, you know, answer these hard questions. So, you know, that's, that's really needs to happen is a broader direction. And, you know, that, you know, listen, there's a lot of billions of hours of economic input of hemp and, and uh, they need to, to understand that. And, um, 
you know, they need to, 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 to get out of the, the government needs to get out of the way. And that includes for all cannabis too. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty insane that, um, you know, a, a recreational cannabis operation in Colorado, not only do they pay taxed out the wazoo, they can't even deduct simple expenses because of 280E. But then oh, really? Under, I didn't know that. They can't. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So oh, you can't. Geez. So you're taxed without any uh, deduction. So the effective tax rate for a lot of recreational cannabis operators out on the West Coast is up to 65%. Oh, oh like a punch yeah. in the gut. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yep. So you're operating these razor-thin razor margins. You can't use a bank. You know, you can't get, you know, federal loans. You can't get any loan that's backed by the Small Business Administration, which is a lot of loans for small businesses. There and uh, and now, right now, if you're shut down, you can't get uh, any of the, the CARES Act uh, relief funding. Oh, jeez. Well, that's it, not only if you touch the plant. If you service a company that touches the plant, you can't get that funding. So there needs to be a general conversation around cannabis and supporting our, our businesses, you know. Oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it was that tight. I mean, all you hear about is, oh, you can go out in Colorado and smoke weed. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's just the word. You you mentioned CBD. Is You do not have CBD in yours. You have hemp. That is correct, right? right? Okay. Yeah, so when CBD comes from hemp, in, in, all, in most instances, yeah, but we use a flavor extract. Okay. So it's it's a different step and there's different things that you're doing. I mean, the CBD to uh, THC, all these things are all different steps from the the cannabis plant. Well, when you use, you know, when you, the different ex- extraction technologies are going to allow different molecules to be extracted at different pressure points or heat points, right? So right. we you know, don't have any cannabinoids in our wine. Like I said, we take the very volatile flavor we call the terpenes. Um, and that's that's what we get out of out of the plant. So there's no cannabinoids whatsoever. You know, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, CBD wine would be great because I can have a glass of wine that will relax me. And you know, we're in well anyway. <laughs> yeah, well anyways, exactly right. Uh, you know, uh, the, the funny thing is, you know, people would would come up and, and ask me, and they said, so is this going to get me messed up? I'm like, I'll tell you what, this is one of the smoothest drinking wines I've ever had. And so you're going to get to the bottom of that bottle a lot quicker than you thought you would. And yeah, you're going to be a little messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's alcohol. <laughs> exactly, because it's alcohol. So, yeah. you know, we didn't want to confuse the two. I mean, you know, CBD has some serious health benefits and some serious wellness effects that you know, are being studied. And I think that when you cross that into wine, you're delivering the wrong message. And uh, that's just not, you know, that that's not what we're trying to be. I think that that's a gimmick at that point. You're really you're selling a gimmick, and and we were right. selling a good wine, you know. Well, very good. Uh, you mentioned something else too about uh, the uh, federal government and uh, the uh, FDA. What is? I don't know if you would know this or not, but what is the committee that would be handling and legalizing and recommending legalization of hemp? Yeah. Well, so. Um, hemp's been legalized, but it needs to, you know, like I said, work through the uh, the agencies. But um, you know, there's 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 different committees in the Senate when a bill goes through, right? So, right. Um, you know, some of the onerous uh, restrictions that Senator Chuck Grasser was able to add on to had to deal with, you know, possible criminal elements, right? Um, but you know, what needs to happen is it needs to happen at the agencies, right, at the agency level. That's the FDA. The DA needs to get out of hemp completely, right? Yeah. There's no 
it's not a drug. I mean, Congress is very clear. They took it off the Controlled Substances Act list. I mean, hemp is not a controlled substance. It's an agricultural commodity as defined by law. So they need to get out of the way. Let the USDA regulate hemp um, the way they the way they should. And the FDA also needs to uh, clear path. And, you know, something that I learned is that dietary supplements in general, right? So we like think about all the different dietary supplements out there from the ridiculous, you know, eugenics commercials on TV to vitamin C tablets. There's oh, like, yeah. in, uh, there's a division of like 10 people at the FDA that regulate everything. So the <laughs> FDA does not take dietary supplements seriously. That's a problem, right? They only really care about the pharmaceutical drug approval path, which only allows these companies in millions and millions of dollars. It's, it's very interesting. You know, one of um, this uh, uh, very talented researcher out of the University of Rochester that I work with, I uh, serve on a, a board of them called Hemp Lab, right? And he's got this really interesting biotech company that, um, you know, has uh, really interesting work on the way cannabinoids react with human cells, right? And uh, they actually, so they do a lot of things, but they investigate a lot of old drugs and how they interact with different viruses and bacteria. And they had a drug, it's called Oil One. They, 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 uh, there's, a, there's a press release online about this. Uh, and it actually killed the, the novel coronavirus, the new coronavirus, uh, in a lab setting 100% of the time, in a, in a military lab setting. And the fact of the matter is, is that drug will probably never see clinical trials because it costs, he told me it costs up to a quarter billion dollars to get a drug Whoa. through clinical trials. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a problem, you know, and that, so that, that's a way of thinking, you know, that, the people with the most money that have the best interest in terms of our, the health and the, you know, safety of, of Americans is flawed. It's wrong. And that cycles all the way down to me being able to add a flavor extract from, from the hemp plant into my wine. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, so true. I mean, it's just the, the cost of getting a drug approved runs into the, the millions and millions, if not billions of dollars and companies won't touch it because they don't, foresee a profit of it and so they stay away from it and that you know something else that could be applied probably to some of the stuff with hemp and fda and all that there's nobody who's going to just grab it and run with it and battle them and if there is then it will be approved and like you say you can't afford it and so therefore you're at the mercy of you know pleading for them to think about it scientifically as opposed to emotionally and uh uh, that's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do with those guys too, guys it and is. gals. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a good system, but it's flawed in some areas, and that's one of the areas that it is somewhat flawed in. For sure, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Nah, we can we can go on and wax poetic about the the system, but it's not going to do us any good to get it done. So to to and then I guess, you know, a letter to the FDA. Uh, just, you know, people start writing letters to the FDA. And, you know, let's look at hemp as a good agricultural product and not something that's out there to get people high. I mean, that's a different field. And so if the FDA yep. start, starts realizing that it is not the same thing as you know, THC marijuana, then they might understand that it is something that can be used. So, Yeah, 
Absolutely. No, I, and that's that's what's going to take. It takes critical mass. Yeah, yeah, and you know, people are going to have to do that. While everybody's sitting at home and still sheltered in, then sit down and write the FDA. Tell them, hey, yep. exactly. we want hemp approved for everything. It's, it's, it's not marijuana. It's not going to get you high. It's not CBD. It's hemp. It's a plant. Let's get it approved, and maybe that'll do it. Yep, exactly. That that's that would that would uh, make a difference for sure. That would make a difference, yeah. So people get out there and write letters. Um, anything else, Mike? No, um, I'm good. It just it's it sounds like the uh, same battles that um, uh, the site that we follow all the time. We talked about them. Feed the grapes has gone yeah. through uh, trying to get uh, you know just the the shipping and the sales and and all this in different states for for wine. Um, you know they've had a they've helped with a lot of uh, those battles. I mean, what was Alabama was probably one of the most restrictive ones, and now they're kind of eh, okay. What was I forgot some of the other states we yeah we Utah about, and, but, uh, yeah, you, yeah. Um, Oklahoma Kansas. oh my gosh well Oklahoma. Oklahoma was like you couldn't even sell across the street or something but yeah yeah it's just some it's stupid all rule <laughs> yeah but uh, but it's like Alabama, Alabama. Uh, Kellen you yeah. were talking about how you became political more so than anything else because of trying to fast it. We talked to a winery in Alabama, and the winemaker there, who was getting to be an older gentleman, he said he got into the wine business because he liked wine, and he didn't realize that most of his career would be sitting in the state legislature's office and assemblies trying to get laws passed so that he can make his wine and sell it. And and that just that's what's happened with you, it seems like. Uh, yeah. You, yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it got me into being, you know, a lot more involved politically out of necessity. And then I realized, you know, there's a lot more to be done here for small businesses, medium-sized businesses, entrepreneurs in, in the cannabis space uh, more broadly. Yeah, it sounds like it. it's, it's it's outrageous what the, the tax levels and everything else, the rules and regulations they have on cannabis. And that's something that the state should realize, too. Well, they probably do. When the states present these laws so that people can pass it, people, again, think emotionally, oh, we're going to be able to buy weed at our local store and get high now. Look at this. We can pass this law. Not realizing that they should look at the whole law and part of it saying we're not going to be taxing the stores at 65%. We're not going to be putting these burdens on them and all that stuff. And that all should be written into the law instead of just the emotional thing that oh look we can buy weed now you know so yeah exactly <laughs> exactly there's much yeah. more to it yeah mm. and so that's that's it but you're right Mike I mean it's just there's so many you know the uh, freethegrapes.org is a lot like this it's it's uh, they're a few years ahead of the curve here it seems like over hemp but it's the same type of yeah. Uh, approach. I mean, we need to start educating people and start getting the uh, legislatures in all the states to realize that hemp is a plant and not uh, not heroin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and for alcohol, it took uh, yeah. up until 2010 to for them to modernize the uh, regulations around farm breweries and wineries. Then all of a sudden, you saw a jump. Uh, to, you know, from like, I think less than 100 craft beverage license holders in 2010 before the law went into effect. Now we have like 1,100. Yeah. And uh, about $30 billion in economic input or output throughout the state. So, and and that's just, that's the key to it, too. I mean, as, as far as 
as wineries go, I used to always say that, and it, this applies to you know craft breweries and all that. But you get in front of every state legislature and you say, look, you know the the wine business or the the craft brew business or even hemp is a multi-billion-dollar business. You can let this pass and let other states do this, or you can pass the laws and you can do it yourself and get some taxes from it. It's up to you. Well, once you start talking about money to these legislatures, things happen, and they just need to realize that it can generate money for the state coffers. And whenever you start talking on that level, then they seem to understand that better than they do anything else. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we we are we we are all on our soapbox about this now, but I hope the right people <laughs> hear us and and do something about it. So, um, okay. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Galen. You have two businesses. Uh, the CSG Hemp business is that one that people. Well, you you have a podcast. Uh, tell us about your podcast yeah. on that. Yes, yeah, so Empire State of Cannabis. So we actually released our first episode earlier this week. We have our second one, and it focuses on the New York State cannabis industry. And you know, we uh, interview some of the leaders, lawmakers, entrepreneurs, activists in the space, and, and have a really great conversation. Um, but yeah, Kessler saying really, we're really here to help small, mid-sized businesses in New York and beyond. Uh, you know, compete and, you know, become the best that they can and, and focus and figure out where they, you know, uh, should be to succeed in, uh, in cannabis. When we talk about cannabis, we talk about hemp and adult use cannabis, but uh, hemp is one of the most promising sectors right now. It's, it's just so much opportunity, as you mentioned, you know, and so uh, that's, a, that's what we're here for. So we are, you know, a service-based company and, um, and we help you help you succeed. CSGHemp.com, all of you out there. Yep. You can check that out, and there's a link to the podcast on that, plus a lot of other stuff. It's, you know, and you can even see a picture of Kayla and what he looks like here, too. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> plus Spoiler, a I'm other, a young guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, he's, you know, he's very learned for his age. I mean, you know, you can <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff on here, pictures of all the staff and everything, and, you know, just different stories, and you can contact them if you have any messages or anything. So go to that. Now, again, csghemp.com. And I will let Kaylin tell you about the other one, about uh, Silver and Vines, and then the website there and contact and all that for that one. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So you can check it out, and unfortunately, we can't send you a bottle of wine. <laughs> we never could send it outside of New York. Um, but, yeah, I know. And even in New York, it's now tough. And there's, there's liquor stores that still have stock, and uh, we hope to be back very soon. So go on there, you know, uh, sign up and join our mailing list, and you'll be the first to know when we're back, when we have a beautiful tasting room, the great experience for you to come and enjoy uh, hemp-infused wine. Okay, and you're located in what city? Uh, Binghamton, New York. And that is about where? Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, 60 miles south of there because we're on the, the Pennsylvania border uh, oh, okay. in New York. So, if you, yeah, if you're looking at the state, you know, go right smack in the middle and go all the way down to the Pennsylvania border. You know, I'm three hours door to door to my, my grandfather's apartment in Lower East Side of Manhattan. You know, I'm two and a half hours from the beautiful Adirondack Mountains. 
you know, New York City is, is a magical place. I'm only an hour away from the, some of the best wineries. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward for, you know, this, this, uh, you know, people to be able to, to get outside their homes again. And, you know, one of my first places to go is, is going to be the wineries up on uh, Seneca Lake. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's always a, a great visit. I mean, you know, and get yourself a driver and go around and taste as many as you can in one day then. And exactly right. <laughs> do, it, do it that way. Uh, so, if they need to get a hold of you, or if they want to tune in to the website for Sovereign Wines, what is it? Uh, yeah, so it's drinkhempwine.com. That's the easiest way to get there. Drinkhempwine.com. Okay, drinkhempwine.com, and or you can go even back into it as Sovereign Vines. S O U V E R. E-I-G-N, Vines, V-I-N-E-S.com. You can get into yep. a bunch of, find it that way, too. So either way, drink hemp wines or whatever. And they have uh, a site there where you can find them and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, And you can sign up for their e-letter, which uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, I guess you, you're doing that now, uh, sending out e-letters whenever things happen and all that. So yep. uh, very good. Anything else, Mike? Before we say good night to Kaylin here. Uh, no, I'm good. That was uh, very, very interesting, I'm, and I hope uh, hope things turn out uh, better in the near future and and is uh, more accepted. Um, well, it seems like a tough road, but uh, hopefully uh, people get behind this and uh, more supportive, and you find a lot of success with this. Thank yes, you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, while we're on the subject, too, again, everyone, write to the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and tell them, legalize hemp. It's just a plant. That's all it is. And yep. maybe with more letters that they get, the more they'll start looking at it and realize that it is just a plant. It's not the evil, sinister devil lurking in the background. Um, Absolutely. Thank you very much for the time uh, this evening. It was a a great interview. I enjoyed talking about it very much. And uh, to echo Mike's sentiments, good luck with uh, your battle and good luck with the wines. And I will look forward to the day that I might be able to make it up there and buy it since I can't order it yet. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on the show. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate your time. So take care and stay safe. You too. You too. Have a great night. (laughs) You too now. Thanks. Okay. All right. Very nice. Very interesting. Yeah, well, that was. Um, That that was interesting. That, you know, and and there's a lot of stuff about marijuana. And marijuana is making head roads into the cell of wine in areas uh colorado and california washington oregon i see different things that are saying that marijuana is people have just so much discretionary money to spend Hmm. and you know whether they spend it on uh upgrading their car, whether they spend it on getting a new wardrobe, whether they spend it on going to the theater uh, every month, or if they spend it on going to wineries and buying wine, or if they spend it on marijuana, they just have so much. And once they hit that level, then you know they don't. And the discretionary money for wine is now being 
split between wine and marijuana among those who would have both. And so it's making somewhat of an impact on the industry. So uh, I didn't realize that the marijuana industry was so highly taxed and so regulated. I, I mean, I figured it would yeah. be, but oh my gosh, it's just staggering. Like I said, uh, when he said 65%, it was like a punch in the gut. I, I just mm. sta- staggered me when he said that. So, yeah. so I, I was, know. Uh, you know, when I went to uh, Colorado in October, um, right before the blizzard, the, um, I was I, I had these these visions and people have told me oh you're gonna you're gonna smell um, you know pot weed all that smoke in the air it's gonna be constant and you know be careful what you breathe and inhale and that and I didn't get any of that and I only saw and they made it sound like you know every other store is a is a cannabis store or, or they sell marijuana and all that and I didn't get that either I think I saw two maybe three. Uh, dispensaries, they call them up there. They, they're like right. little mini pharmacies or something. But you know, I just saw, and, and they're, you know, they're not like. Uh, it's just like a like you're driving down there, and oh, there's a Seven Eleven, or or oh, there's a strip center that has a you know a beauty salon. It's like oh, there's a strip center, and they're oh, they're selling cannabis, whatever. It's a dispensary, <laughs> but it wasn't like it wasn't in your face like I thought it would be. You know, yeah. I, I heard all these horror stories and people saying, oh, you're gonna, you know, as soon as you get off the plane, you're gonna get high. No, you don't. <laughs> Some of the freshest air I've ever smelled. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Colorado. Yeah. Come, out, come, out, come to Florida sometime and, and yeah, smell the air. Yeah, smell the air here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't in your face. It wasn't in the newspapers or advertised on TV. It wasn't like a big, you know, thing. And, and it was, you know, no crime. You know, it, it, it didn't seem like it was it was adding to that. Like people think, you know, certain industries, you know, add crime to their neighborhood. No, your, right. your neighborhood was that before that, you know, yes. <laughs> like, exactly. but, uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't understand if, if the government, you know, local governments or, 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 you know, the, the federal governments can make something extra off of, you know, legalizing this, why not? I mean, the research is there. There's people working on it. You, I think if it was, if it was something that was going to hurt you or, or there was no purpose for it, I don't think places like Cornell or, or some of these other, you know, uh, professors and, and uh, people in the industry trying to do tests and stuff, I don't think they would be involved in it. You know, you don't see them doing studies on, well, let me do heroin this week, you know, this month or something and see if I can get <laughs> yeah. that, you know, legalized. We know, okay, it's not going to happen, but, you know, yeah. they're doing research on it, and it's it's proven to be effective, like and and beneficial, like he mentioned about coronavirus. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what would it take? And, you know? and the thing is, hemp, the the whole aspect of hemp. I mean, it just I've been a I, I've been an advocate of hemp being legalized for as long as I can remember, because it's just a plant. Uh, there's so many other countries in the world that hemp is used for all sorts of stuff. I mean, it just, it, it's, if you look it up, and it's just amazing the different products oh, yeah. that can be derived from hemp. And, uh, you know, for us to still, us being the U.S., still to be so restrictive of the use of hemp, whereas the different states are passing the marijuana laws, and, and uh, what is it, something like 42 states have some form of marijuana law passed, be it medical or legal legalized or whatever mm-hmm. and because of that uh, you would think that hemp would be right on the uh, sure tell of that and be 
past just by looking at other countries and what's been done there. But yet the the restrictions are well, like Kalen just said, it's staggering what they're doing and and holding them back on that. So yeah, you can get you can get hemp rope, you can get hemp uh, paper products, you can get a hemp T-shirt mailed yeah. to you. But as soon as you ingest it, oh no, can't. Oh no, that. you can't do that. You know, you can't eat your T-shirt. You can wear it, but you yeah. can't eat your T-shirt. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or make it in, into liquid form. It's, it's, That's it's, right. Uh, you can't taboo. squeeze. The... But alcohol was the same way. Alcohol was the same way. I think uh, yeah. you know, way back in the days, and, and prohibition. I mean, you couldn't do anything with it during prohibition, and people still did. You know, yeah. kind of underground type of thing, but it took them a while to come around, and maybe, maybe that's uh, they're, what they're doing with this. They just they don't know. Uh, yeah. They're willing to, to accept it. And, and and they're you know it's this a classic caution on the side of absurdity, and really is what happens. They just they become so cautious before they pass something that mm-hmm. it just becomes absurd. You know, well, what if? You know, we can what if everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> yeah. Again, people, if you're still listening, write FDA and ask them to re-examine hemp. Legalized hemp is just a plant. That's yeah. all it is. And speaking of plants, why I was surprised that it could get you know botrytis and all these other diseases. Oh yeah, that that surprised me. <laughs> that was. That was amazing. I didn't realize why it's you know that's a lot of work to harvest and and that stuff and raise it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And so. Wow. Maybe, that was a maybe, shock. That was maybe one day we can get a a uh, a grower uh, on the on the show a uh, a grower of marijuana and uh, hemp and all that stuff and see what all it takes. Have him take us through the steps of planting it and growing it and maturity and all the effects and all that. That might be interesting. So yep. may look at may look at that down in the future. Yeah. So very good. Eight ten. Eight ten PM and four sixteen the date. It's Thursday. If you've listened to the show we're live. And yeah. if you are listening on archives, thanks. Uh we are on archives everywhere, and I say everywhere because <laughs> we <laughs> we are finding out that we're on so many different venues that we never had any idea. <laughs> yeah. Every so, week we're going. Wow, did you know we're on this site? No, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> but look at this. Did you know we were on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yep. It just you know we are on so many different venues. So thanks for listening to us and. For those of you who are spreading us around to everything, thanks for that too. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah, that is that is so. Um, we do have a uh, guest for next week, I believe. We do. Um, yeah, and uh, we will uh, post that uh, on on the page and send it out to Twitter so everybody knows about that as well. So we'll give you a heads up on that. But uh, we do have a guest for next week and possibly uh, a few guests coming up in May. So. Uh, definitely going to be interesting yes uh we we've got uh getting some good response to our our uh it was well, a list it was a, like our list yeah, we were, uh, yeah we were rated in some 
podcast or something list as yeah. one of the top wine podcasts. Yeah, one of the All top of wines to listen to in in 2020. We were number 12 mm-hmm. out of 30, and then the Wine Spectator magazine uh, rated us as one of the top six wine podcasts of 2020, and that mm-hmm. has generated some interest from wineries and people that uh, uh, would like to be on the show, which is great. I, I mm-hmm. think that's fantastic that they're doing that. That's a, yeah. I mean, it's great that people are listening to us, but if it generates interviews, then that's even better because something like tonight, uh, interviews are always fun and informative mm-hmm. even. We walk away with more knowledge, so that's always great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, contact us. Uh, information is on the website um, and on our show pages. So uh, give us contact uh, by email, and um, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to uh, be a guest on the show. So uh, do that. Uh, email is allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. You can contact that anytime. Ron gets the emails, and uh, we'll go from there. We'll give you a set up time and date and all that kind of stuff. Look at the schedule and make sure it's good for you as well. So yeah, we, yeah uh, good. Uh, here we go. Uh, Charlotte from uh, Ron Bauer, Ron Bauer, I believe it's pronounced. Ron mm-hmm. Bauer Vineyards will be our guest next week. So uh, yeah. tune in, check out, and we'll be talking to Charlotte next week. All right. So. Be safe out there. Stay hunkered down. Stay secluded. Uh, I know they lifted a few restrictions, but that doesn't mean that it's safe. That just means that we want people to go back to work. So be safe. Be distant. Six feet. 36 square feet around you. Look at it that way. 36 square feet around you is your space. So. Yeah. And, and, uh, we'll have to contact that. We'll have to contact one of our bus people about violating that, but uh, does yeah. second week now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on April 23rd, right here on Blog Talk Radio and Facebook Live. Thank you very much again, and um, press this button, and we'll see you all next week. Be safe. Thank see you, you next week. Healthy. Be safe out there, and we'll see you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host Ron. For show information. Links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Oh.